Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. All right, and once again, it is the Sports Bee with Richard Holdridge on this Wednesday morning. I hope that everybody is enjoying your week so far. We've got a great show for you. I'm going to talk about the college football rankings last night and what are some of the intriguing college football playoff matchups as we approach the end of the college football season. I'm going to talk about the Nets Warriors. That looked like a preview of the NBA Finals. That was an exciting game last night. And I'm going to recap the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. And forming a super team does not necessarily equal wins. In the National Football League. But let's get started with the show anyway. Last night they had the first college football rankings and no change from 1 through 7. I tell you what, I am looking forward to these college football games this weekend because are you the type, just like myself, that's rooting for chaos? It's rooting for Michigan State to beat Ohio State, then Michigan to beat Ohio State, and then Michigan lose to Wisconsin in the Big 12 title game. Are you rooting for all that? Are you rooting for Cincinnati to lose to Houston in the American Championship? Right now, the team that looks really good is Notre Dame. Because the remaining two games, versus Georgia Tech and versus Stanford, the Fighting Irish should win those games with no trouble. Now, Notre Dame was in the college football playoff last year. They had the benefit of having a conference game last season as they were temporarily in the ACC. Now that they don't have a conference game, Will the voters penalize Notre Dame for not playing in a conference title? I tell you, when it's all said and done, a team in the top 10 could get into this thing. Breaking down the rankings, like I said, no change from 1 to 7. Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Michigan State. Notre Dame moves up 1. They're now number 8. Oklahoma State is number 9. Wake Forest is number 10. Do these teams have a shot at making the college football playoff? If Wake Forest beats Clemson this Saturday and wins the ACC title and they have one loss, can Wake Forest make it into the college football playoff? Baylor is the top-ranked team with two losses. They're 11. Ole Miss, do they have an outside shot to make the college football playoff? Well, what needs to happen is they need to play in the SEC championship game. In order for that to happen, Alabama's got to lose to Arkansas and Auburn. Because Alabama has the tiebreaker versus Ole Miss. And then, of course, Oklahoma with that one loss, they are ranked 13th. BYU ranked 14th at 8-2. And And then Wisconsin, out of nowhere, 7-3. They started off very slow with a 1-3 record. And now they are 7-3, poised to win out and play in the Big Ten title game. So that's something I'm interested in seeing. All right. Out of all the Power 5 head coaching vacancies that will be available for next season, what is the most intriguing head coaching vacancy? And who are some of the top candidates? Well, I'm going to start 
with number one. Number one is USC. Now, I know the last couple of years, USC has not been the powerhouse they once were under Pete Carroll, where they won those national championships. Say what you want. They won a national title in 2004. You can't take that away from them now that players are getting paid. So they did win back-to-back national titles in 2003 and 2004. And then in the 2005 season, they won back-to-back titles in 2004 and 2005 and almost won a third championship, but they lost to Vince Young in Texas in 2006. But USC is the most intriguing job here. You're in the state of California. You're not really recruiting with a whole lot of teams in California because Cal and Stanford really don't care about football. Fresno State, I mean, come on. They're not even a Power 5 team. San Diego State is ranked. That's the only football down in San Diego. But you're competing against UCLA. The Pac-12 used to be a conference where USC would dominate the conference. You have the most four- and five-star recruits in the state of California. This is the most intriguing job. If they get the right head coach, USC could be back in the top five for years to come. Number two job is LSU. Now, I must admit that the SEC West has gotten a lot better with the resurgence of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. And right now, LSU is the worst team in the SEC West. They have won three national championships with three different coaches. What does that tell you? That they are all about the name brand. LSU in the last 20 years has gotten more four- and five-star recruits from the state of Texas and Louisiana, and they put players in the NFL. They get the right head coach. I know that Jimbo Fisher said he is not going to LSU, but what if LSU calls out Lane Kiffin? You don't think Lane Kiffin is going to run to go coach LSU? That's what Lane Kiffin does. I think this is going to be his best year because he's got the perfect quarterback for Ole Miss. But Ole Miss is at a recruiting disadvantage. I know that Hugh Freeze did a good job recruiting four- and five-star athletes a couple of years ago when they got Laquan Treadwell and Robert Nikandichi, and they had uh, Laramie Tunzel. They had some really good players. But Lane Kiffin, if he really wants to succeed as an elite college football head coach, he needs to go to LSU. This is the perfect time for Franklin to leave Penn State because he was also a top candidate for a head coaching position. And also, don't forget about Mario Cristobal, a Nick Saban disciple. He could go to USC. He can go to LSU. There's a lot of choices here. But now here's some positions that opened up recently that are Power 5 head coaching positions. Virginia Tech, Justin Fuentes is out as Virginia Tech head coach. They had a lot of stability. Frank Beamer was the head coach since 1987. Justin Fuentes has been the head coach for the last five years. And Virginia Tech is an intriguing head coaching position because they're in the ACC Coastal. And if they get the right head coach, they could be competing for ACC Coastal championships every single year. And it's still a very good traditional college football program. The next one is the Washington Huskies. Now, a long time ago, Washington was one of this one of these powerhouse schools that won a national championship in 1991, led by the legendary head coach Don James. But now they've had some turnover with getting Steve Sarkeesian and then Chris Peterson. 
And then James Lake, he got fired. Washington can compete in the Pac-12. And then the other one is Washington State. I think Washington State would probably be the less intriguing head coaching position. There's a lot of hot coordinators out there that are ready to be head coaches. And one I can think of is Todd Monken the office of coordinator for the University of Georgia. I think that Georgia could lose both their coordinators to head coaching positions. Another coordinator that is ready to be a head coach is the defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, Bud Foster. I think Bud Foster is probably the likely candidate to be the head coach at Virginia Tech because he already knows the program. He's been the defensive coordinator there for years. Another defensive coordinator that is ready to be a head coach is Brent Venables. Brent Venables is the defensive coordinator at Clemson, and I think he is ready. As well. What about these non Power Five schools that have head coaches like Luke Fickle? Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, I'm sure he would leave Cincinnati to go coach anywhere that he wants. So that's something to think about as they got to think of something quick because the early national signing day is coming up. And right now, currently, Georgia has the number one recruiting class for 2022, followed by Alabama and Texas A&M. You don't think the SEC is still dominating? I know that the Big Ten says they have something to say, especially with three teams in the top 10, but the SEC is still the most dominating conference in college football. They put the most players in the NFL, and that is a fact in the landscape of college football. But if you look at these upcoming matchups this week, Michigan State is taking on Ohio State. That is going to be a big game, and the winner controls its own destiny to play More than likely, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Michigan State finishes out with Penn State, and then Ohio State has to travel to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. If you're looking at just the eye test, Ohio State looks like the most talented team in the Big Ten. And I think led by the quarterback C.J. Stroud, and their defense has gotten a lot better, I think Ohio State can give Georgia its best contest. But I tell you what, I am getting excited about the possibility that Georgia could play Alabama for the SEC championship. I go back and I look at all the matchups that Kirby Smart has had against Alabama. And Georgia has played Alabama three times. All three times, Georgia has led at the half. Georgia's had double-digit leads on two of those games. Georgia moves the ball on Alabama and gets to the 50. Alabama, a defender from Alabama, makes a huge play, whether it's a big tackle for loss or a batted ball, or a cornerback comes up with a deflection. A huge play that is a turning point in the game. And then Alabama's smarts and schematics and Nick Saban's brilliance takes over. This will be the second time since 2009 that more than likely Alabama will be an underdog in this game. The odds makers are saying if Georgia's playing Alabama right now, at this moment, that Alabama would be a three-point underdog. You got to look at where it's being played. In Atlanta, practically a home game for the Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama has lost all their offensive firepower from last year's national championship team. They lost Mac Jones. He, he is now on the Patriots. Jalen Waddell is now on the Dolphins. The Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, is now on the Eagles. Najee Harris is the leading rusher in the NFL for rookies playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got Alex Leatherwood, a talented offensive lineman, playing for the Raiders. And the list goes on and on. Patrick Sertain, he's playing for the Denver Broncos. 
I know that Alabama reloads every year, and they do have a talented recruiting class. But what you're asking for Nick Saban, for what he is to accomplish, because Bryce Young is a talented five-star quarterback that looks great, and he is the odds-on favorite right now to win the Heisman Trophy. Alabama is going to be stretched thin at running back with Jace McClellan out. They do have two talented wide receivers, more than likely first-round picks, Jamison Williams, a talented transfer from Ohio State, and John Menchie, who had some big catches in last year's season, during last year's season. As I look at Georgia and what Kirby Smart has done since he has taken over in 2016, Georgia had the number one recruiting class for 2019 and for 2020. They had the number three recruiting class for 2021, and they have the number one recruiting class for 2022. When it comes to man-on-man, Georgia has just enough talented players as Alabama. And what did Georgia wrong was they got tight. And schematically, they could not get the job done against Alabama the last three times they faced them. I'm talking about the national championship game in 2017, the 2018 SEC championship game. And then last year in Tuscaloosa, Georgia had a 24-17 lead on Alabama. They allowed the Crimson Tide to kick a late field goal in the first half. Stetson Bennett had some interceptions. Remember, Stetson Bennett moved the ball very well in Alabama last year. He just made the bad decisions. If it wasn't for that, I think Stetson Bennett would have remained the starting quarterback. But this is Stetson's team. He's got a great defense behind him. Nobody has gotten more than 17 points. And Alabama has struggled this year. But what Nick Saban does is he coaches his team up. And I think it's going to be a great matchup. I cannot wait for the SEC championship game. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because Alabama still plays Arkansas and Auburn without Bo Nix. And then Georgia has a very easy path to go 12-0. They got Charleston Southern, which the score projection gives them a 99.9% chance to win that game. And then they take on the horrendous Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets who play Notre Dame next week. Georgia will travel to Atlanta for a clean old-fashioned hate. A rivalry that did not happen last year because of COVID. And I just want to see Georgia do well. Jordan Davis is one of the candidates for the Heisman Trophy. What's incredible is Jordan Davis was a three-star recruit, and Kirby Smart has coached him up to be one of the top linemen in all of the country, which is amazing. So we have a very interesting college football weekend. Not just Michigan and Ohio State, but some of the other ranked teams. We have Arkansas taking on Alabama. We have SMU taking on Cincinnati. Auburn taking on South Carolina. And Oregon playing, and Oregon taking on Utah. That will be a good game as well. I also forgot to mention Wake Forest taking on Clemson, Ohio State, Iowa State taking on Oklahoma, and Baylor taking on Kansas State. One team that's really flying under the radar this college football season is the University of Texas at San Antonio. 10-0, they are ranked 23rd. They will take on UAB. Looking at the other local teams, Kennesaw State will host Senior Night as they will take on Monmouth. Kennesaw State is 9-1 on the season. So good luck to the Kennesaw State Owls. I always talk about this team because they have a special place in my heart. I used to live up in Ackworth, which was very close to Kennesaw and the campus of Kennesaw State. And I watched them build Fifth Third Bank Stadium, host home of the Atlanta Beat, and then eventually Kennesaw State Soccer. And then I moved away in 2014, and I missed 
when Kennesaw State was playing football in their inaugural season in 2015. Another team that started up a football program that's doing very well is the Mercer Bears. They're now ranked in the top 25 for the FCS at number 23. They will travel up to Johnson City, Tennessee to take on East Tennessee State. Mercer right now 7-2 on the season. Their only losses were to Alabama and to VMI. So Mercer trying to get into the FCS playoffs. We shall see. We have some playoff action in NCAA Division II with some teams from Georgia to include West Georgia taking on Albany State. And that will be on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Congratulations to the Columbus State Cougars on Monday night at the Lumpkin Center over Morehouse College. And they are now 3-0 on the season. Also, the LaGrange Panthers men's basketball team is 3-0 on the season. So congratulations to both teams. I saw highlights of that game on WRL, and I got to say, the Lumpkin Center was packed. I was impressed that they had that many fans for a game on Monday night. But on Monday night, I was watching Monday Night Football because my favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, were taking on the Los Angeles Rams, which I never witnessed a team that got so hyped for an entire week after getting Vaughn Miller, after getting OBJ, The Rams were expected to blow out the 49ers. All the experts, except Steve Young, picked the Rams to beat the 49ers. So the start of the game, the Rams had the ball. Matthew Stafford throws an interception. Welcome back, Jimmy Ward. And the 49ers did what they did. They ran the football. They controlled time of possession. And they took the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands. The 49ers dominated. And they defeated the Rams 31 to 10. Now everybody this now everybody everybody yesterday morning was talking about how the Rams are not a good team anymore and they don't have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. You gotta remember that the 49ers were desperate. This was their season. This is a division rival. And I know the football and I know the NFL can be crazy sometimes. There's a lot of Scores that just don't make any sense. I mean, the Buffalo Bills lose to the Jaguars. You have the Titans losing to the Jets. I mean, you have some things that happen in the NFL that doesn't make any sense. Well, this was the 49ers season, and they're now 4-5, and and they have a pretty easy schedule because they travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars next week. And then after that, they're back hosting the Minnesota Vikings, which that's not going to be an easy win for them. They could easily lose that game. But then all the momentum was swinging back to the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night. I don't know if that's going to be a Sunday night game with the NFL flex schedule. I think that game will get flexed out of the Sunday night game on the 5th of December. But they already lost to the Seahawks this year. They could easily win that game. They could easily beat the Cincinnati Bengals because I think the Bengals will come back to earth. And then on the 19th of December... The San Francisco 49ers will host the Atlanta Falcons. As a 49ers fan, I am hoping that we get the bad version of the Falcons. I know the Falcons because I watch them every Sunday. I've lived in Atlanta since 2006. I know that that defense is nothing to be scared of, and the 49ers could control that game. Then they got the Titans two days before Christmas on a Thursday night, taking on the Houston Texans, and then they close out the season with the Rams. That could be a game where the Rams rest all their starters. So yes, it is possible that the 49ers can finish 12-5, and 11-6, and 6, or maybe even 10-7. and 7. 
and sneak into the playoffs. They're only a half game out of the playoffs. So the skeptical 49er fan that said, it's all over, Kyle Shanahan should be fired. Yep, that was me. I admit when I'm wrong, the 49ers are a good team when healthy and when they do what they're supposed to do as far as running the football and allowing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw less than 20 passes, he can be successful. You know, the whole game, they weren't even talking about putting Trey Lance in because Jimmy Garoppolo is a formidable quarterback that can get the job done when he's not asked to do too much. So that's just food for thought, something to think about. I really want to see the 49ers do well. All right, so last night in the NBA, we had what I think is the preview of the NBA Finals. So the Warriors get the victory over the Brooklyn Nets, 117-99, as Steph Curry goes for 37, and Kevin Durant had a season-low 19 points. Boy, the Brooklyn Nets could really use Kyrie Irving right now. And it goes to my point, forming super teams does not necessarily equal a championship. Look at what Giannis has done with the Bucks, And then previously in 2019, look at what the Toronto Raptors did. I know they had Kawhi, but that wasn't a super team. One of the weaknesses that the Brooklyn Nets have is they don't play defense. And the Warriors exposed them. Brooklyn falls to 10-5, and and the Golden State Warriors are now 12-2 on the year. But if you look at the standings in the NBA, right now the Golden State Warriors are still in first place in the Western Conference at 11-3. Right now the Golden State Warriors are 12-2, still in first place, and the Brooklyn Nets are now 10-5. And And the Brooklyn Nets are now 11-4. The Atlanta Hawks have a big game tonight as they will take on the Boston Celtics. They are winners of two straight. On Monday night, they defeated the Orlando Magic on a back-to-back. So they currently are 6-9 and on the season, taking on a 7-7 and Boston Celtics team that is still young. And I'm not sure if they are a championship team yet. They're going to be without Jalen Brown. But Jason Tatum, is he the guy in Boston? That is the question. And I think that the Atlanta Hawks should get the victory tonight. Tonight you have the Lakers taking on the Bucks. The Lakers are 8-7. And and they are the most inconsistent team I have ever seen. Because they got blown out on Monday night against the Chicago Bulls at home. They didn't have LeBron James, but some inconsistent play and no defense. So Carmelo Anthony just jacking up shots. You have Russell Westbrook. Yes, he had 25 points. But there's no defense, nothing from the bench. I thought this Lakers team was going to be experienced. And they're falling apart at the seams without LeBron James. It's going to get a lot harder. And right now, the Lakers would be in the play-in game. Anything can happen in the play-in game. So all the Laker haters out there, including myself, I knew this was not going to work. You gave up all your great defenders like Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Montrez Harrell. You gave up Alex Caruso. All your energy guys on the bench are gone. You got a bunch of NBA veterans way past their prime. And I have said all year when they built this team that the Lakers are just too old. And I'm sticking with that. All right, the Atlanta Falcons are prepping for the New England Patriots tomorrow night at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And what can I say about this matchup? No, they're not, they're not going to have Cordell Patterson. He is going to be out. 
Calvin Ridley is still out dealing with his mental health issues. I kind of feel like this is a game where the Patriots should blow them out because all the momentum from Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns coming into this game on a short week and the Falcons were completely embarrassed by the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. But this looks like a coaching mismatch between Bill Belichick and Arthur Smith. I'm hoping to see a good showing from Matt Ryan. I'm hoping that Matt Ryan has one of those games where in the back of his mind, he knows who he's facing. They have not beaten the New England Patriots since 1998. They have never won against Bill Belichick. How is it that Bill Belichick is doing this without Tom Brady? It's because of the brilliant offensive plan. He has one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, Josh McDaniels, who should have been a head coach a long time ago. He turned down the Indianapolis Colts when they offered him the job because I believe he's going to be the coach in waiting behind Bill Belichick. Anytime you have an elite defensive coach and you have a brilliant offensive mind, it usually works. That's why the Seattle Seahawks are falling apart because Pete Carroll is so old school that his offense is so vanilla. He has gone through three offensive coordinators in the Russell Wilson era, and they've all been blah. There's nothing creative about anything that the offensive coordinators do in Seattle. Well, that's all the time I have on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners that downloaded my podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. I will talk to you Friday, and I am out of here. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.